the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. You heard it. Cofield Willie is down at the Mick Ultra Arena getting ready for the Aces game tonight. 7 o'clock tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So, Willie, give me your take. I know you cut out there for a little bit. Give me your take on the situation with Donaldson and Anderson. Man, it is a um, – it's, 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 it's such a weird dynamic because you have two sides saying entirely different things that, and both, to me – you you can believe either side. I mean, you got one side saying, "Well, you know, he 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 likened himself to to this person." Tim Anderson he, did back in 2019, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Donaldson say that he 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 called him that before, like a while back? He had they were they were quote unquote buddies, or they had already had that same exchange. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So, so doesn't seem it, like they had the exchange by the fact that Anderson ran into the dugout and started telling all his teammates. Right. So I like. You know, why would he blatantly lie and say, "No, I said that before to him"? Yes. Or you know, uh, <laughs> would Donaldson blatantly say, lie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, then, um, you know, it's it's not downright. I don't think it's like just awfully an, an atrocious racist remark. But here's the thing: if if you took it wrong and it offended you, then it was out of out of line. And and. Considering the the emotion and the tension and and how the game was flowing and the fact that he said it, it it was the wrong place in time if you were trying to quote unquote make a joke. But then again, it shouldn't be a joke if you were just trying to sort of use that phrase that you've used before. And I heard Dave. I just uh, my screen had went down, but I was listening and I heard Dave say he's right. In this day and age, you if you have to think twice. Or it borderlines anything that you're going to say. You just don't say it. Um, so it's it's just very hard to. I mean, it caused a bench clear and brawl. So I mean, if that's the case, then obviously it was it was something that the guy was offended by. You know. So uh, yeah, I I just don't know. I don't know how to interpret it. I really don't. I don't know how to have my own opinion on it because we don't know the truth. We can just assume Donaldson was lying to save face. Oh, I've said it before to him. No, I have and. You know, so I I don't know. I just it's it's just something that this day and age you have to watch everything that you say. It doesn't matter, and because both sides could be right. I mean, unless you're bla- you're you're just outright like the person that called Kadri Arab scum. I mean, that's that's blatant racism. But I mean, if 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 you're borderline joking about something, you probably shouldn't say it. The latest development. And this one's interesting as a side story from radio. WFAN in New York, they're talking about this situation. They've got Paul O'Neill, the former Yankee, booked for a guest spot. He's got a book coming out. He's on hold. The producer messages Brandon Tierney and Tiki Barber. You know, they they moved over from uh, CBS National. And he's like, yeah, Paul O'Neill doesn't want to talk about Tim Anderson and Donaldson. So what do you do, Willie? You got a guy coming on, you're going to talk about his book. Clearly, you have to talk about this with a guy who announces for the Yankees, with a guy who's a former Yankee. What do you do? Does he say why he doesn't want to talk about it? He wants to talk about the book. Well, well, 
I mean, when you're a former Yankee great, and this is a situation with your former organization, considering the person that you are, I think I think you have to have some sort of comment, or you at least have the right to, like I just said, and be, be up front and say, I don't know what to say, and I'd rather not go any further. But to, to just outright say no, then, I mean, I, and, and I can't say, well, what would you do? Because I'm not, my name's not on this show. Your name's on the show. What would you do? Would you say, all right, you know what, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll take some, you're not going to come on here and just plug your book, and the, considering the person that you are, and not talk about something that happened with your franchise. What would you do? It depends. Every situation's different. I will tell you what they did. What'd they do? They told him to screw off. There you go. There you go. And then they explained right. it to him. They're like, you know, they explained it on the air. I mean, they didn't, you know, they could, if they wanted to, they could have just popped him up and been like, what's the problem, Paul? Let's go. <laughs> um, instead, they were like, yeah, we, we owe the audience. This is part of a conversation we've had for an hour and a half. I can't, you know, I can't let them just come on and talk about the book. Yeah, this is a big Yankee topic. You got to comment on it. You got to have something on it. Huge. They, they told I, him not to do it. Yeah, I. They told I, him they, they. They told him they didn't want to do it. So, if this was Ramirez and company, I probably would. And that was my. It was in my hands to make that decision. That's what I would have said. You're not just going to come on and plug your book, considering who you are, the franchise you play for, the stature you have with this team, and now you're not going to make a comment on the hottest topic with this franchise. Well, bottom line is you're a lot tougher than me. No. You're a badass. I'm not. You would lay down the law. I don't know about that. You're, I mean, you're you're mean. Remember, you walk <laughs> I'm not, by, I'm not mean. You, you walk by people, you look at them, you chuckle, and you keep moving. You are a nobody. Wait, oh crap! <laughs> that was my inside voice. I wasn't supposed to say that. Yeah, I thought you know what's funny. I'm, I thought, a, I'm offended, and we're going to have a <laughs> studio clearing brawl. <laughs> I thought about that this, this weekend. I was like, my God, why did I? Why did I shrug and look annoyed at Willie? Back whenever it was, 2008 or something. Schmo, that kid is. Which one, me or you? Me. I deserve to be called a schmo on that one. <laughs> Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. They wanted me to resign. Like, I knew LeBron and them was coming. You know, they got that 8% body fat for a big guy. I remember going into the pantry at night, looking at the Oreos, Oreos looking at me. <laughs> All right? And I could, bruh, I am in a full battle daily on what I ate. And I was like, bruh, I'm, I'm 30, I'm 30 plus years old. I, I can't go through this. So I was like, bruh, look, I'm too old to be having a debate whether I want to have an Oreo or not. <laughs> right? I can't, I can't do that. So I, that's why I left Miami. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. 8% body fat? Like he said, for big guys? Come on. I know Lotus, uh, I don't know if you know this, Willie, actually, Lotus Broadcasting has a 25% body fat. Uh, you have to be above that to work here and work on this show, so you better put right. some unhealthy better. poundage on, my friend. All right, I'm signing off. Jed, take me out of comfort. I'm done. Yeah, there you go. I, I actually Go. just did mine last did week. I'm at, I'm at 18. Okay. Uh I get tested once a month. I will ask the aces to uh, prep you a solid meal of uh, gravy and cheese just melted together. <laughs> Put some weight on, my friend. So I'll just watch the game from, well, the end. Uh, we got a scoreless game right now. Florida trying to stay alive. I mean, it's a minute into the game. Florida and Tampa. Tampa leads that series. 3 nothing. We got a 2-1 series with Colorado and St. Louis. So St. Louis trying to even it tonight. Darren Pang is awesome, man. He's doing work for TNT tonight. He calls uh, the game's color voice of the St. Louis Blues, of course, a gigantic national voice in hockey, and gives a couple minutes on a work night. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. I appreciate the words there. We're getting ready down at the rink here for uh, for game number four, and it should be a beauty. 
What the heck is going on with the heat now between Kadri uh, and, and maybe some St. Louis fans? I don't think that's confirmed. And then water bottles and Bennington. What do you see? Well, I, I certainly won't comment about anything outside of it. But uh, the you know, I mean, I think Jordan Bennington's been on such a great role. You guys, you guys are watching the games. I mean, since he took over for for Huso, he's he's been absolutely dominant and. A frustrated guy, you know. He, he he ends up being out for you know who knows maybe the maybe the entire playoffs and for sure uh, for sure in the foreseeable future. I mean, this is a passionate sport, guys, and things happen. We've seen a lot of injuries happen in the course of uh, you know the regular season, but especially in the playoffs and when the chips are down. So I think a lot of passion, a lot of emotion, and uh, judging by today's response by everybody, they just want to make sure that uh, what happened in, in game number three. Uh, with uh, with Kadri and with Bennington, with uh, uh, Barbashev and and Samuel Girard, uh, that uh, that you know that was part of that game, and then Game Four will be a, a different entity. And then uh, so anyway, long story short, I think you're, what what you get there is what the what's great about the game. I mean, a lot of emotions and a lot of passion, and sometimes and most times a lot of anger and a lot of disappointment. And I think that kind of sums it up quite perfectly in game three. When a guy like Kadri says, hey, I was just going for the puck, how do we react? He's got such a long track record of being, you know, one of those guys who plays on the edge. Well, that he does. And, and yes, he's, uh, you know, I mean, you just have to look at the history that he's, you know, been a suspended player and, and he does play on the edge. Um, as an analyst, I, I'll, I'll, you know, be quite frank with you. I, 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 I don't include that um, unless it's such a very, very, obvious move this wasn't an obvious play this was a play in which we had several different angles great angles showing the rebound coming out of the glove of Bennington Bennington's got a push back to his left uh his knee is clearly exposed but I've got a great look at uh, Kadri actually having his stick almost on the puck right at the time that that uh, that his arm was stretched out and uh and he was going he's going for the puck with one hand on his stick and those are the facts uh video doesn't lie i Seen it. I well, I watched it because I, you know, obviously you're you're in the, you know, you're in the hot cooker and the pressure cooker when you're an analyst, and especially if you're an analyst for, you know, in the regular season for the team that uh, that Kadri's playing against the Blues. So, but I've looked at it and I I feel as if that was a battle for the puck. He was almost there with his stick. Callie Rosen bumped him at the last second, and that was enough for him to be off. Now, can he avoid contact? I don't know. I've never been a forward just looking for a puck going that fast. Uh, I have been the goalie that tore an ACL on that exact same play, Oof. and it was in practice. So I, I knew the feeling. I knew it wasn't good. I don't, I'm not saying that that's what he did was tear an ACL. I walked him, watched him walk out with a knee brace today, um, gingerly, I might add. But, uh, but, I, but I, I will say that uh, all the way around, I don't think you can always include somebody's history uh, when you break down every single play that happens in the course of a game. Speaking of Darren Payne, color voice of the St. Louis Blues. And, Darren, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. When you're a, a, a person like Kadri or a, an Evander Kane or a Tom Wilson or a Ryan Reeves, you really have to just ignore the noise that comes with the character of play that you are you know, labeled with and, and play your style of game because if you get caught up by the outside noise, then you sort of get away from your game, and that's what you're on the ice for. But unfortunately for them, is that just sort of the, the what you have to ride with? Well, the outside noise um, honestly never comes into play, especially this time of year. It really doesn't. I mean, you know, from a general manager to a coach to a player to even even me as a broadcaster, uh, 
you know, you, you, you do stay in the moment. You're trained to stay in the moment. You're not trained to react to the outside noise. I mean, uh, look what happened last night in, in the game with Calgary and uh, Mike Smith and Lucic. Next game is going to be another game. It's going to be another scenario, another situation. And the same thing here with the St. Louis Blues in this situation. So the, the, the difficult part, I'm sure, for the, for the Blues, uh, their fans and their players, especially like a guy like Justin Falk, was, it was just a year ago uh, tonight, I think it was a year ago tonight, or maybe in the last game, uh, was the anniversary of the hit by Kadri on, on Justin Falk. It knocked up Justin Falk. He was concussed. He was out. It was a bad moment in his career and his health. And Kadri got eight games. So, I mean, that's fresh in the memories of, of everybody being the same player against the same team. Let's talk about the St. Louis Blues. Right? We had earlier in the show, I was mentioning how, you know, how beloved Jordan Biddington is. Ever since that January you know, insertion into the lineup, a rookie, they're in last place in the entire NHL. They make that run to the Stanley Cup title. Um, and ever since then, you know, even with roster turnover, Alex Petrangelo being out here in Las Vegas, just um, the bottom line is, this is a team that no matter where it comes in seated, it is dangerous. It's dangerous in the regular season. It's dangerous, you know, in the playoffs. It's 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 really just what is it about this team? Is it is it is it it's two hundred foot of hockey play? Is it its forwards, physical? Why are the St. Louis Blues such a thorn in everyone's side? I don't know. They're consistent. They're consistent in their management. They're consistent uh, in their coaching. Um, you know, when things go poorly as they did, you know, uh, even early this season, they weren't finding their identity. The general manager didn't panic and fire the coach. He extended the coach. Uh, then he, you know, then when, when the team seems to get behind it a little bit, it's the coach that navigates uh, the players through the murky waters. He's very, very good at that. Um, you know, even before game number, uh, game number two in Colorado, we asked him what kind of video uh, he was putting together uh, before the game. And he said, well, I personally put the video together. And we all us broadcasters said, well, that can't be good news for the players. He says, and then I personally presented it to them. So even so, that was a double whammy. They knew I was serious. I did the clips, and we went over what was wrong, what we didn't do well, and then we figured it out from there. So they're a very cut-and-dry hockey team. They have to play a certain way. If you don't play that way, um, you're not going to succeed as a member of the St. Louis Blues. And for some players like David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen, they're the leaders of this team. They're the guts of this hockey team. And when they lead, other players follow suit. They do what they do because they know that that's been successful in the past. And, and it, you know, when you have 10 or 11 guys that are still here from the Stanley Cup winning team, uh, that doesn't just go away. I mean, that, that, that's the stuff that fuels you to win another one. So it's one of the reasons, I think, why they are a very successful team and franchise. A lot of, lot of this physical play, a lot of these personal shots being taken in, um, throughout the NHL playoffs. Last night, Rangers and Hurricanes. Max Domi at the end of the game. Cross-checks Ryan Lindgren. Um, Gerard Gallant has words for uh, former Ranger Tony D'Angelo. And in the press game conferences, he says, hey, you want to do that? We got the guy just for you. Does it surprise you? And what do you expect from that series uh, as far as I, – I told these guys earlier, that, you remember the game, I think it was last year, that uh, the opening puck, all six forwards, the, the, the opening – they dropped the gloves right at the puck drop. It wouldn't surprise me to see that in tomorrow's game. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but it was, it was actually Max Domi that gave, uh, uh, gave the player a whack. And it was Tony D'Angelo that uh, said something at the bench afterwards, and that's where you saw the uh, – uh, the, the, you know, some of the replays of what Gerard was saying to him. So, uh, I, but this is why we love the game. I mean, all of us, you know, I'm a former player. We grew up wanting to win at all levels. And, 
and emotions get high, and you yell at people, and you then you've got to settle down, and you have yourself a nice cold beer, you talk about it, and then you get ready for the next day. So, I mean, again, I, I want to reiterate, that's what's magic about our sport. It's the ability to be high-octane energy, animosity, hatred, whatever you want to call it, uh, when it comes to playing against the opposition, and then you have to settle down because you have to play the next game, and it's, it's not very far away. And if you don't get focused, then you're going to be in trouble. If you're not a focused hockey team, then you're going to start chasing and running around and doing things that are abnormal, and when that happens, you lose hockey games. A lot of coaching uh, searches out there, including right here in Vegas. Peter DeBoer was let go last week. Um, what do you hear and what do you see? And of those that are out there, what do you think would make an interesting fit for the Vegas Golden Knights? No, that, that, that part I don't know. I think I'll, I'll leave that to the guys in charge, to be honest with you. I think, you know, that's been now, you know, this is going to be the third coach uh, in a short amount of time. Um, two different coaches, two really terrific coaches. So um, I'm sure this, this, in, this research uh, will be thorough to find, you know, another coach with likely a different, you know, set of you previously had. And, uh, and again, I reiterate, it's a tough business. Those coaches both did a great job. So um, I don't know what's ahead, but I know there's a lot of really good coaches that are available and probably surprised a lot of people that they are available at this point. When you see two coaches get fired like that, and I'm talking about around the league, do you think there are other coaches who are like, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to go in there to get blown out in a year and a half? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of coaches that uh, would love the opportunity to coach the Vegas Golden Knights, to be quite honest with you. I mean, everything from the, you know, from the area to the energy in the building uh, to the re- really, there's some really great players still on that, in that franchise. So, and, and on the roster and, um, you know, so I, I think when coaches get an opportunity, they're honored by an interview, first of all, and there's so many assistant coaches that haven't had a chance that are probably worthy of head coaching chances. You think they're going to say no just because there's been a couple of firings there? No, I'd say they'd say yes, and and, uh, I'll go there in a heartbeat to to coach the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's what they would all say. Darren, what do you think they should do with the goaltending situation with Leonard and Thompson and beyond? Well, I guess that depends on the, the health of Leonard. I mean, yeah. That, that's one thing that's out of anybody's opinions control. I mean, if he gets uh, his body together and uh, gets in shape and, and gets going, we know he's a really good goaltender. Um, but in the meantime, you almost have to prepare for you know plan B at this point. Uh, is he going to be our goaltender or is he not going to be our goaltender for what for one reason or another? And I know they got a quality guy in, in, in uh, Logan Thompson. I'm a big fan of his. I had a chance this year to talk to him several times, and his story is one that you like. That's the one that you cheer for is guys like that. And uh, so I'm not sure if he's a you know number one goaltender at this point. I I, I don't know. Uh, maybe given the chance he is, but in the meantime, I think you know you've got a great number two guy in uh, in Logan Thompson. So we'll have to see after that. But uh, um, those are going to be some tough decisions. And it, again, it's all going to be based on the health and because there's a commitment to a contract. So it's not like you can bring in another guy, which resulted in in uh, Mark Andre Fleury having to go. You don't want 12 million dollars in you know, in cap space on goaltenders. So that's, that, that could end up being a bit of an issue. Darren, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much on a game night. Enjoy the uh, tilt tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Take care. There he is. You'll see him on TNT. Darren Pang, longtime hockey analyst. Now he's uh, in St. Louis doing the Blues games. And, Willie, we're hearing more and more of that with Robin Leonard. You know, that he may not be a guy – who can go out there for 55, 57 games. Yeah. And he also may not be a guy you can move making $5 million a year. So the plan may be you're going to pay this guy, uh, you know, a little above market value. You've got a less expensive option in Thompson if they stick with that 
then you know you're probably going to have a split. And I'll I'll be off of the math here a little bit, but you know, 45 games versus 35 games for the two of them, if if they keep both of them. Well, the the option I think that they would try to do. I don't think that anybody's going to pick Leonard up for the five million. But what they could do is try to move him and retain maybe half the salary. So at least they're at least taking two and a half million off the salary cap and retaining some of it. It could be attractive to somebody that's looking to have a sort of a joint goalie situation like he had with Flurry and Flurry's last year here. Because I agree, that's just I I. I mean, I've heard that several times now in the last two weeks that he's probably going to be a 45 to 50 game guy. I I don't even know if he's that. I don't even know if he's half a season. Hmm. Um, we, you know, he had this surgery on mm-hmm. his on his shoulder last off season, and then whatever style of play he had, whatever took place, he now he had to have one on the opposite one. We still don't know what the deal is with the with with the kneecap. If it was, you know meniscus if it was a tendon what it may have been so we don't know if that's another procedure they may have just put a band-aid on everything by telling us the labrum because then it sort of takes away from what the media was saying it makes them look bad by making them look like they were wrong but in reality they're telling us one thing they're just not telling us the other so we really don't know what's all wrong with Leonard and that's what remains to be seen and as long as there's you know all this downtime it's to the benefit of them because they don't have to address any of us. Well, until they hire somebody, and I don't think that you know we might get a little bit of an update from McCrimmon. Like here's an injury update. Here's what like we got with Stone. But who knows with Leonard? And I and I again, I don't think I don't even know if he's a 41 game a year, like, which would be half the season. To give away some tickets. These are awesome. The Eagles are in town coming up at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Caller 7, 364 364-1100. It's the Hotel California Tour. You can get your uh, own tickets at AXS.com, but Ari's got a pair of tickets right now, 364-1100. We're about 15 minutes away from talking to John Von Tobel from VSIN, especially good on the NBA. We got this uh, update in on the Celtics and the Heat game, which is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Let's see, from an injury standpoint, Marcus Smart is out. Availability, Jason Tatum available, Robert Williams available. We'll ask JVT if the Celtics are in some deep trouble here. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. I'm going to live till I die. I'm going to laugh instead of cry. I'm going to Just past the halfway point of Cofield and Company here on a Monday. Willie Ramirez getting ready for the Aces game. Aces, Sparks, 7 o'clock tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, fat pack time. Hmm. There was a lot of confusion about a sign that was circulating around Twitter starting at the beginning of the weekend, Willie. Yeah. Apparently, if this is accurate, the Hooters down on South Rainbow had a sign-up that read, effective immediately, no colors, no flash. I don't know how to say this other word. No patches and no... I think it's cuts, but I think they are... um, I think it's like uh, biker... Like, I don't want to use the word gang, but, you know what I'm saying, like the groups. And they... So it's their... With their with their with the with the with the cut sleeves, the I I would imagine, and I, and all I did was Google it because I didn't know what it meant either. But that's what came up. 
would you use the word vest? Leather vest. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. But it was there were jean ones too. So okay, jean. You know, just, okay. I, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. I, like a I just biker saw, jacket, I just saw, like we yeah, saw, yeah, we saw yeah. in Sons of Anarchy. Yes. So it's funny when this when the sign was circulating again. I'm I'm just going off of uh, what the uh, interwebs are saying. Um, there was complete confusion about what this meant. I thought it was pretty clear from the get go, didn't you? Uh, real quick, a cutoff, also known as a cut or battle jacket. There you go. Battle vest in heavy metal subcultures is a type of vest or jacket so there you go so what did all that mean right no bikers basically yep basically and it was funny on the thread that i was reading a lot of people were like there are still bike gangs <laughs> like yeah yeah and i know in some circles maybe that's been glamorized but why do you think these groups most of them existed for the longest time do you think sons of anarchy was fake I, I don't know why people are confused about it, but I don't. I don't. Let me ask you this: Do you is there? I mean, they have the right to refuse service, right? And if yeah. this is it, now, it, I want to know what. It, I guess the question: They have the right to put that sign up, and if that's what they want to put up, fine. Yeah. Um, but here's the here's the question: Is why? What triggered that? Did you just decide that, or did something happen? Was what, there? What do you think? Well, there must have been a situation. I'm sure, I'm sure they've had some situations. Yeah. But on Rainbow, I just I'm wondering, you know. I'm reading up and down the, the, the thread also. One one person said they've had problems with gangs or the perception of they're right. just stay, saying behave yourselves. Yeah. But the problem is, so what do you got to do? I mean, you're out riding. What do you you got to get undressed and make sure that you're not wearing the specific things you're saying? I no guess. patches, no colors, no flash. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I like to walk around shirtless every time a convenience store is like, you know, put on your shirt. Then I got to put my fat belly back under a shirt. Those are the rules. It's offensive. It's very offensive. Trust me. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Listen, I uh, on the flip side, I just, you know, I want to eat some wings, and uh, I, I will be polite and not stare directly at boobs, but having them around is nice. That's not can where we, I'm going can, for can wings. We, just can we just have that? Can that's, we just... not I, that's not where I'm going for wings. But... Oh, no. Here we go. Well, I it's, and I'm not Here saying there's go. anything wrong with Today's their wings. Today's spot brought to you by Hooters. No, I'm not, not saying there's anything wrong. I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure everybody does their wings pre to... to you know, fantastic. It's just that that's a specific delicacy that you, you know, it's like Italian food. You know my favorite spots. I'm going where I want to go for wings, period. Really End channeling the spirits of Hondo and Danny. Whoa. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Random attacks on Southwest Airlines and then, you know. No, that's not. Cracks true. on uh, casino properties, all that stuff, so. These things happen. These things happen. Some of the sparks have made their way under the court. One ace is out here shooting. I'm getting excited for tonight. So it's a territorial rivalry. Game's coming up at seven o'clock. Uh, right we are going to be hitting radio. on hamburgers. Thanks. Oh. A little later on. Um, apparently, a young man was getting in the mood for National Hamburger Month. I hamburgers are so big that it. they get a whole month. Uh, Willie loves this. Two-year-old orders 31 cheeseburgers after mom leaves phone unlocked. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Knowing me now as long as you've known me, what would I have done? Uh, I mean, what? With your son? If With it Jordan. were, I mean, you know, if it were now and your son was two, I, I mean, based on your history, I'd be afraid to watch. You sound like a really mean dad. You ordered it, you, you eat it. Oh, you ordered, you eat it! <laughs> That's Not good. all in one sitting. You just you, you just make the kid eat um, like every day as a cheeseburger. 
I would be gone in twenty within twenty four hours. No, he's, he's not going to eat thirty one cheeseburgers. And are you going to pitch in? No, you, you're going to have a cheeseburger party. Maybe, yeah. You're going to make your child eat thirty one cheeseburgers. In, I might have in ten of them, and he's got to have the rest. Wow, look at you, ten of them. How are you keeping that eighteen percent body fat with ten cheeseburgers? Cardio and hike. I did a hike today, by the way. I saw. I saw I've seen. I've seen your hikes. By the way, yeah. uh, I mean, what's going on here? What? Are we sure this is all safe with your dog? I clear with my dog. What are you shooting into that dog? Oh. <laughs> that thing is that thing is jacked. He's muscular. Why? What was you? You took a picture of him in the car and yeah. like what? You what was it? A deltoid? That's a shoulder. Okay. Yeah. I did this on purpose when Test he was that a baby. dog. When he was a baby. You told us. Yeah. You yeah, told yeah, us. Yeah, I told you're gonna, I told you're gonna muscle him up. Yeah. So he looks great. He, he's back on the trail. He, he was very upset with me because, you know, he doesn't realize and understand, well, I don't care that you had knee surgery. I want to go for a hike. Well, yeah. he couldn't go for a hike for about a month. Oh, he's, he's so, fired up. So now he's fired up. We've done three hikes in life. We've done two back-to-back yesterday and today. So he was excited to see his big brother today. Jordan uh, met me at 7 a.m., and, and then we had uh, uh, one of the local media members out here. He joins me, too. We, we, the three of us, we went on a hike today. Kalua. Kalua. Kalua the Beast. Oh. And then he went to the pet resort so I could come down here and do this and then cover the game. So, And he is, like, he runs the show. He's, kind of, he's not a bully, but he's kind of like he in the little dog section. Like, when he arrives, okay, Glue is here. Yep. So, so whatever. backs up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's freaking posting up in the corner like he's going to jail. He says, like, anyone want a piece of this? Yeah. Hits the arm a little bit to pump it up more. Got a problem? <laughs> Got a problem. <laughs> I thought wiener dogs were wimpy. Not willies. No. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. What's the key uh, in defending, you know, a, a team with Luca? Key to defending this team with Luca. <clears throat> um, I would say playing your hardest and trusting your teammates are the two keys. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. That was a very chill Clay Thompson, like extra chill, if you know what I mean. I don't know what was going on there, but it took him a long time just to answer a basic question of uh, what you need to be able to defend one Luka. Uh, by the way, it's not like they're killing when it comes to defending Luka, but they're dominating the series. John Wontobel's in studio with us from VSIN, 1 o'clock show every day. Just finished up, filling in on uh, Raider Nation Radio. Nice job over there for a couple days in 4Q. So why has this series, we'll call it easy, is that inaccurate? Why has it been pretty easy for Golden State against the Mavs? I don't think it's been easy, right? I mean, game two, they had to come back from down quite a bit to win that game and eventually cover. And in game three, it was a pretty tight affair for the most part, going back and forth. And while the Warriors led for a good chunk of it, never got really past, like, you know, it's what, a 12-point deficit, I think, even if that for Golden State. Um, so I wouldn't call it easy, but, but I think one of the things that is what I've been pretty fascinated by, and I was re-watching the game this morning and taking some notes, is like Golden State, they're just really well coached. Like they look like a team that's been here before. They have so many different answers. You know, like when they guard Luka, for example, when they talk about like the keys to guarding Luka, on those possessions where he has the ball, Steve, they'll run a box in one, and on the possessions where anybody else has the ball, they'll just run the regular defense. Like they're just switching from possession to possession, how they're defending these guys uh, on offense. If you're going to double Steph Curry, well, then Kevon Looney's going to slip to the basket or Andrew Wiggins is going to slip out and have some pretty big games and be a good roller. So I just think this has been a really good series for Steve Kerr. It's been a really good series for the Warriors because they look like they're a team that have done this before and they have so many different options. 
And JVT, I think that's, I mean, you nailed it right there at the end, is the fact that anyone that runs up against this team, it's, it's, you're talking about a team that already has the championship genetics before KD joined that team with, with, you know, with uh, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green as the core, and now you have all these other players stepping up. The experience, I mean, that's just hard to overcome no matter who you have on your team. Yeah, and I think, it, Willie, it's also a testament to Steve Kerr. You know, for a while, the last two seasons or so, Kerr was getting murdered because people didn't like him for his political opinions and whatnot. And for some reason, they decided to try to denigrate him as a coach when it wasn't true. And you're really seeing that shine through. Their game plans have been awesome in this series. Uh, he has developed young players like a Jordan Poole. He's been a very big part of that. Like, I, I think Kerr's done a really tremendous job with this team. Yes, it helps that Steph Curry can release a three-point shot in game two and as it's traveling through the air, say night-night, and then watch it go through, um, that totally helps things. But I, this is just such a well-rounded team from top to bottom, and, and it really helps when you're taking on a, ser- a team like the Mavericks who are good, but they have their roster limitations, and you're seeing those play out. What does this mean for Luka long-term? In terms of what? Are they going to build something that he's going to want to stay around for in Dallas, or is this the beginning of, you know what, i got to get to one of these super teams? No, I think I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, they're in the Western Conference Finals, right? With this, like, I, and I hate calling it limited because it's not really a limited roster. It's a pretty good roster, but do you, he needs. But to do see- you feel like making the Western Conference Finals has been of a you know a byproduct of some teams being a little beat up along the way? Who was beat up? Just in general in the conference. I don't think so. I mean, no? the Jazz were the Jazz weren't beat up. The Suns weren't beat up. I mean, I, Chris Paul alleged after the series he was beat up. Um, and but- was Booker Booker? I mean, he was broken up with by the Jenner right before Game 7. So that's probably a big <laughs> okay. reason why. Jenner curse. Right. Um, Kardashian-Jenner curse. Can you imagine that right before Game 7 and you get broken up with by your girlfriend and now you're screwed? No, I don't think so. I think what, like when it comes to Dallas, like in t- uh, Tim, bon- no, excuse me, Tim uh, McMahon, who covers the Mavericks for ESPN, has mentioned this multiple times on Brian Windhorst's podcast where you know, this is just gravy that they got this far. They traded away Kristaps Porzingis because they kind of want to not hit reset, but realize like they got to retool this roster, get some better pieces around Luka Doncic. They know that this is in the end. Like they're not going to roll forward with this core and think like, hey, we got to the Western Conference Finals. This should be good enough. I think it's pretty clear. Like when you're looking at the series and you're like, wow, they missed Tim Hardaway Jr., who got hurt. Like you know that you need to add more to the roster. So I don't think so. I think you're in a pretty good place. It looks like Kidd has improved as a head coach. I think if you're Luka Doncic, you feel relatively good about the, the path that they've taken. I mean, think about what they did. They took they took Kristaps Porzingis, the guy they traded assets for, realized it wasn't going to work, and shipped him off. I think that's a really good sign that you're on a team that's willing to do what it takes to win. What are we doing with the Celtics tonight now that Marcus Smart is Oof. out? I, I haven't seen his official word on Robert Williams yet, because that's the He's other in. thing, too. He's in? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Is that available? Tatum available. So, And I, I wasn't really worried about Tatum. Smart, though, if you look at what happened from game one to game two, you know, one of the things that we always talk about with Marcus Smart is how good he is defensively, defensive player of the year, all that stuff. But it was brought up after game two. He's also this team's starting point guard. And there's, he has made a massive difference for them when he's out there on the floor. Uh, with his assists, uh, the way he runs the offense when he's out there, he does provide some sort of offensive alpha, a little bit, not a lot, but does give them another shooter. I think the number is still too high for Boston. Like, I think this team is going to win this game. I think they're going to win this series ultimately. But I think... I do think the market has gotten a little little far out here, especially with the absence of Smart. Six and a half tonight, Boston. Went yeah. down a half point. Yeah. I think I think you can make the argument that Smart's worth a little bit more than that because of what he does on both ends of the floor. What do you think of the markets now where you can bet the conference final MVP while it's going on? I like it. Like I think so. First off, the belly aching about, like, oh, another trophy for these guys. Like, just stop. Like, it's another thing to bet on. Who cares? Um, but here's my theory about this, which I think is pretty interesting. 
So we're talking about the Warriors and, and what they have um, in terms of depth. Andrew Wiggins was awesome last game. Andrew Wiggins has been awesome throughout this entire series. In these conference finals where you don't have the national media all in one area to follow mm-hmm. these, you probably get more of these local affiliates, yeah. maybe voting for these awards that have covered these games. I think the finals, the conference finals MVP awards are going to be the shot to take on like an Andrew Wiggins type who was like, I think in some spaces like 25 to one before last game to win this thing, because these are going to be people who follow the team on a day-to-day basis or are willing to look at nuance and vote for these guys as opposed to finals MVP, big stage, you got to give it to the star. So I'd be intrigued by like a guy like Wiggins and how this is voted for. Cause I just don't see it where it's going to be like Steph Curry, Western conference finals, MVP, Steph Curry finals, MVP. I think you might get a little bit of different, uh, theme when it comes to conference finals MVPs. I'm going to do this, and I don't mean it the way you think I'm going to mean it. Okay. This is a legitimate question. Right now through the playoffs, who is the defensive MVP for the Warriors? Could it be Wiggins? Yes. Because the role he fills is pretty crazy. Uh, you mean like just hounding Luka Doncic every single the possession? The fact that he at 6'7 can cover you know the three position, the two, and he's covered a lot of point guards, yep. big and small. Right, well, and he was forced to do it against Memphis, remember? Gary Payton goes down, and all of a sudden, before John Morant got hurt, everybody looks around, they're like, Andrew, you've got Ja. <laughs> and, like, and he was forced to do that. No, I, And I would say so, and a lot of people would go, oh, Luka had 40. But when you watch what he's able to do, he's able to keep up with them, he's good enough size-wise that he is not giving any ground when he gets posted up, and the Warriors, it's a team effort. Like I said, like when Luka has a ball, they'll run like boxing ones, and it's not going to be just Andrew Wiggins doing things. It's, it's a superstar in, in Luka Doncic. But I think he deserves a ton of credit for what he's done defensively. He's been awesome. Would you bet the Warriors to win the title right now at minus 180, or would you try to jump on, just pick whatever team you think is going to make it, Heat or Celtics, a plus 340 to win the title? I think you're going that direction, especially with a team like like Boston, for example. The market clearly thinks very high of them. Um, If there are a lot of people who were sitting back and betting them at like plus 180 or 2 to 1, when they won or when they won game two and everybody was like, yeah, this is what we're expecting. And to be honest, I, I think that's what you should expect when this team is at full strength. Uh, but I think that's the route you're taking because they're in a pretty good spot today. Obviously heavily favored to even the series. They won't have home court, but they're the higher power rated team. I think that's where you go. Wouldn't smart and his injury make you nervous? Oh, well, this is going to be recurring. Yeah, well, what are the odds he's 100% the rest of the way? It's the same thing with Williams, right? I mean, this is the same knee that's been bothering him, and it's it's been recurring, like you said, in and out. And Smart, I mean, I guess the thing with Smart is the swelling popped up, so an extra day of rest, you know, not playing today, another day off before the next game, does that help you out? Because this seems to be a relatively new injury. Uh, but I got to say, I mean, when he was screaming and writhing on the floor, I thought <laughs> it was done for good. So this might be more serious than they're letting on. John Von Tobel's with us, host at VSIN. He's part of the company. You can hear his show. Monday to Friday at 1 o'clock. Hardwood Handicappers is when? Sundays, 3 o'clock. And okay. also podcast throughout the week. I think I got a good podcast coming up on Wednesday. Did you try to set a line on the Hardwood Handicappers? Uh, Bob Cousy-led Celtic so team. Pick whatever you want against this year's Warriors. So dumb. Uh, Warriors minus 5,000. I mean, could... Don't be an ageist. I'm not. Did you see Cousy come out last week? Yes. I guess someone finally got it to him. He's 93 years old now, and he's very annoyed at... J.J. Redick and the plumbers and whatever else he said. But here's the thing. The, the, example he used, the example he used was Will Chamberlain. Like, yeah, we know Will Chamberlain could play now. He was seven foot one and 275 pounds towards the end of his career. He was super athletic at the beginning of his career. What we're talking about is you, Bob. Right. It's, and it's all the other role players that fill. Yes, the greatest players, players of your era were freaking great. Of all eras could play now. Yes. And maybe Bob Cousy could with... You know, uh, modern mm, competition. Mm, mm, mm. 
forcing him to dribble with his left hand. He would learn to do that. Would he? Um, yeah, I think I think he could. I think he could play in the NBA. I'm not entirely sure that he'd be an impact player because so much of the league we just mentioned comes down to advances with size and athleticism. And again, like look at like what would Andrew Wiggins be in 1959? He'd be a god, right? <laughs> I'll give you another one. Uh, and this plays to what happened last week in the lottery. The Magic get the first pick in the lottery. I see people hemming and hawing about who's going to be the number one pick. It's Chet Holmgren. And if the Magic don't take Chet Holmgren, they're stupid because he is modern basketball. Let's not even talk about what seven-foot-tall Chet Holmgren would do in 1959 with his skill set. Are you on board with Holmgren, or do you have your doubts about him? It's not so much I have my doubts about him. I think the Orlando Magic getting that pick is not the right spot. Like, by all accounts, they really like Wendell Carter Jr., and Wendell Carter Jr. had a really good year this year. He's been very, like, because nobody watches the Magic, it's lost on, I think, a lot of people how good he they are, and I think they have, like, a franchise center type guy that they're willing to build okay. around. But I, I think, like, who, Holmgren, who, do they, who do they have at the two and three? Well, because mean, that's, what Chet, early round that's what Chet Holmgren is. I don't know no, if he can defend not. a two. He's a small forward. I don't think so. He's 100% a small forward. I would disagree with it. You want to bet on it? Well, what are we going to bet on? What, what? But I would disagree <laughs> with that. Next year he starts more, more games at power forward. I think they just list all forwards now in the NBA. There's almost no centers. I mean, he, he's long and whatnot. I don't see him as a small forward type. I think he's got a... He, Maybe I'm, I'm willing to be wrong on this. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched every single Chet Holmgren yeah. game, but I did watch a lot of them, and I don't think he's got the lateral quickness to keep up with small forwards in the NBA out on the perimeter. Like you got to play defense too. I think he does. Yeah, that's that. Were, that's where my doubt is. And also, I mean, when you're talking, it's great to be whatever he is. What is he into seven one? Whatever, like mm-hmm. the height is that's listed. I mean, against physical small forwards who are going to drive on him and be able to blow him down. I mean, that's right. what worries me too. And granted, he's young. Development's going to be there. He's going to get better in terms anyway, of 190 pounds. But right. he but he is legit seven-footer with small forward skills. Um, good catch-up speed to block people from behind if there is a blow-by. Um, and the other thing, and I was, just, you know, I was just doing an observation watching the lottery as a group got together of potential number one picks. And I said even before I saw the shot of Paolo Bancaro, Paolo Bancaro is going to measure at like 6'7". Mm-hmm. So he ain't 6'10", 250. He might be 250. He's listed like 6'9". Yeah, he's yeah. he's not. Um, I mean, listen, we all shrink when we get older. You know, we all shrink down a little bit. I swear Chet Holmgren was taller than David Robinson. Yeah. So I think he's going to be tremendous. But it's not going to, like, if people judge it middle of, the, you know, middle of next season, they're not going to be like, oh, you know, great. He's great right away. He's not going to be He's not guaranteed to be great right away because he's seven foot one and 190 pounds. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to take like, him a little time. Right. You know, it will. And I, and I do think the Magic this, have time. Well, the Magic have time. But I mean, the other team is because the other, if he doesn't go one, the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to snatch him up. The Thunder have nothing at center. And like you talk about him being a small forward, I mean, or in today's era, a center like that is also going to be incredible. And the Oklahoma City Thunder have a great track record so far of developing these young players. They have done a great job. And so if he lands with that team and he falls right within their timeline, like that's going to be a team to reckon with in like three or four years. I would love for him to go to Oklahoma City. We got 30 seconds left. How excited are you? Go back to when I said, hey, uh, the Mavs in the finals is kind of a product of the West. You've got some aging teams in the West that are up top. We saw that the Grizz have tremendous potential. There's a group of teams that in like three years are going to be like, wow, where did this team come from? Now they're winning 55 games. Dude, it's not even like the West. I mean, so I just talked about the Thunder. They're going to be freaking awesome. The Detroit Pistons are going to be freaking awesome. Like there's a lot of these. Even the Orlando Magic have some good young talent. Like Franz Wagner came out of nowhere. He was freaking great last year. So I would say yes, like the talent is awesome. So there's a lot of people who still use the stupid cliche of it's a watered down league. It's not. There's incredible talent on every single one of these teams.